podcast called uh, Dub Jellyson Podcast. First ever type 1 diabetic in UFC history. Uh, doing fine, Dub. Nice to be with you. Get out! <laughs> He's like, yeah. My tunnel vision and my periphery, I'm like all field. Hey, you know how it is, Dub. Hey, when you're, hey, when you're team. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's crazy. What's up, everyone? We're back with another episode of Dub Jellyson Podcast. They have a very special guest, Mr. Andrew Dockage. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me on the show. Yes, sir. I always love having on a fellow Indiana kid. Um, I know you just got back from your trip. When was that? Yesterday. Um, so how was that? And who all did you go with? Because I saw, I thought I saw Duncan and Mo, but I didn't know who else was there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously Duncan Robinson just signed an amazing deal with the Miami Heat. And uh, it was a celebration for him. So it was kind of a mixture of Michigan guys that we went to school with, some hometown friends, um, and another NBA player, George Yang. So we had a we had a good time. Uh, it was really just good, you know, just kind of because I don't get to see him much, especially him and Mo, because they're always so busy and our schedules, you know, are all over the map. So just kind of being with them for the weekend, it was a uh, special times. But you know how it is, like your college friends are going to be your your friends, hopefully for life. So. It was just a good time to have a kind of a reunion. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm assuming every, he paid for everything just signing that new deal. I did not pay for – I didn't pay a dime <laughs> out there. So it was it was everything I could ask for. It, you know, it was – yeah, it was great. He hooked it up. It was about time he did some. He's always frugal with his money. He's going to be really smart with his money. But, no, it was just a celebration for him. We had a great time. Mm-hmm. And I was telling some people that I was having you on the show and – um asking them for questions and things like that and one of my friends asked me did you guys think like in college did you guys know that Duncan would turn out to be like this good of an NBA player yeah that's a good question I think we knew like right away him transferring from division three Williams College obviously it's well documented that he was already the best shooter at Michigan um he was one of the like I had Nick Stauskas my freshman year who was you know first team all-american one of the best shooters in the country drafted eighth overall and I would they they were toe to toe -toe. and I just think I thought he would have a chance honestly I didn't think it would be I didn't think it would be like so sudden you know it's you know you make it from your opportunities and stuff like that and he obviously sees the opportunity and it's just a credit to kind of who he is, his work ethic. I would compare it to another kid I went to is Karis LeVert. Um, they were one of the, like, I've never seen anybody work hard. So like, you know, you invested and they, they got what they deserve. Um, and he's definitely, he's certainly earned it. It's just, a, it was more of a mental thing. Like his confidence, like, dude, nobody cares if you pull up two, two feet in front of half court, like they just want you to shoot the ball. So as, as he started gaining confidence, I just think, you know, now he's seen the ball go in and now he signed this deal. I think he'll be even better than what he has been. So mm, it's super special to see just from a fan's perspective, not even knowing him. Like I just find myself rooting for him. Yeah. Um, but I mean, how much did you need that kind of little trip trip away um, before the season starts to get, get in the swing of things with, uh, with Elon? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I've been, you know, I'm fortunate enough to like go home over the summer and like while, while our guys aren't, you know, in summer school and stuff like that, but it's, it's, it's special um, just to do it with a group of friends who don't get, who don't get to be together a lot. Like mm-hmm. just maybe once a year, like this is the only time I'll probably see him for a long time. So to have that kind of trip, now I'm ready to get the season started and um, focus on these next few months uh, leading into March and April for sure. At what point did you know, like, for sure that you wanted to get into coaching after your playing days? Yeah, my dad was trying not to let me get into coaching. Um, And I, you know, like, I've been around it my entire life. Um, That's kind of how I got, you know, why Mm -hmm. I got into coaching. Um, You know, I just like the impact of, like, being around kids and, you know, being so relatable, having my own stories for them and sharing and them sharing stories with me. So um, that's kind of, it, I never thought like this would be the path at all, but like, I didn't know what the path looked like. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to tell, like after college, you're still trying to, you know, figure out what you want to do. And I was fortunate enough to be a graduate assistant at Ohio State after my time there. Um, and that led me to uh, having an opportunity at, at, at Elon. So 
you know, I never, I never envisioned it at all. I don't think I had like a, I, I didn't have it like written out or anything like that. I just kind of went with the flow and just build relationships and just kind of fall in love with it each and every day. Mm-hmm. And how much do you kind of go back and forth with your guys about just all the experiences that you've had? You had a rich, a rich time in college, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's story is different. I try, I, it's like, if, if they ask questions, yeah, but I'm, I'm more concerned about them. Um, and then in terms of like the basketball aspects, I feel like, you know, I can, I can help them in a lot of different ways as our entire coaching staff can. So, you know, I don't try, I'm not like the guy, like back in my day, I used to do <laughs> this, that, and the other. Sometimes if, you know, we're just messing around, I'll tell them like, it, they would stand no chance playing one-on-one and things of that nature. But for the most part, it's, it's mainly about them. And I don't think I could beat any, I need a ball screen in college. So my one-on-one skills, I don't think it would stack up against our team, especially with our good group, with a good group like this. You, you might know the name coach Brian Clark. He was at Noblesville. Um, yeah. He would always, he, he coached at like Pike and Warren central. So he was coaching like T, the Teague brothers and, all these guys like Courtney Lee and he'd be like, you guys don't, you guys will never be as good as Jeff Teague and all this stuff. Like back when, back when I was coaching them, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta draw a fine line with all that stuff, but shoot. I mean, those guys are pretty dang good. So like, if you could be even in the ballpark with them, you're, I bet, I bet you're a pretty darn good player for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, how have these past coaches excluding your dad? Cause I want to get to him in a minute, but, your past coaches like Holtman and obviously Beeline, how have they helped you in terms of coaching and kind of seeing the game through their, through their angle, through a coaching angle? Yeah. Um, Coach Beeline was very old school. Um, a lot of fundamental drills that, you know, look kind of elementary at times. Like if you haven't picked up a basketball, you could do some of the drills, but that's what, honestly, that's what made him great. And that that's why we always, you know, we're in the top five of not turning the ball over per game. So a lot of credit for like, it was the boring, boringest drills of all time, but like it worked, you know, and it worked for a very long time. And obviously his records and the things he's done speak for itself. And coach Holman, you know, it was, it was a little different, but it still kind of had the same vibe. Like coach Holman's really relationship driven. Um, he's really connected with his players. He's got a good feel on things of what to say and when to say it with his team. And he obviously, you know, you build good staffs around it. And that's why, you know, it's a well-oiled machine there as it was a well-oiled machine at uh, Michigan with John Beeline. So they're both a little different, but, you know, that was like their shtick that, that's made it work and, you know, has brought great success to both programs. Yeah, I have all the respect in the world for both of those guys. Um, yeah. I was sad to see Coach Beeline didn't – it didn't really pan out in the NBA. Um, I mean, what, why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know if it was, you know, you, you hear stories and things that came out. So they put him in a bad light. Um, that's very unfortunate because he was someone that, you know, was a huge mentor of mine growing up and it, it just, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I can't really pinpoint one thing or another. I just don't, you know, I, I think there was something that he, he definitely, you know, he's, he was a high school coach. He was a junior, like he's been everywhere. So I think that was like the next step. And I, I, I really can't pinpoint something if it was run office. I wasn't obviously there. Um, I'll never talk bad about him whatsoever. I love that dude. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. I just don't think it – it didn't pan out for sure the way he expected, obviously. Yeah. And it's just unfortunate that due to the circumstances, he was, he was let go too early. But I think he could have turned it around. Like, Michigan wasn't great in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he – like, Michigan was a non-factor, non-existent, really um there for a while and he got changed around after honestly he had I think he always said like the let his last year of where they were thinking about possibly firing him they go on this streak and they make the tournament and then you know they got the Trey Burks of the world come in and obviously we know how what happened there so uh I, I think it was just time you know I think he just needed more time there to you know do kind of what he's done everywhere he's been yeah I would have to agree yeah um, I mean, now he's kind of chilling, though. He's working for the Big Ten Network, has his own podcast. And yeah, working with the Pistons now, actually. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. He got – I don't know what the exact title is, but, yeah, he, he's working in some front office role uh, with the Pistons now, so – which is good. You know, he's yeah. still around the game, and he's got a lot of – he's got 
a wealth of knowledge, obviously, in the game. Mm, for sure. And I know you dabbled in the kind of the media world as well. Yeah. A few years ago now with the with the podcast. Is that something that you'd like to do at, at some point in your career in the future? I don't know. I think it was just – it was really fun to do. Like, Duncan actually um, kind of brought it to light. He, he was he was kind of talking about, like, yo, we should do a podcast and see how it is. And it's just an, an extracurricular activity like you're doing during, during college, right? Um, so, you know, what this funny story is, is I don't know if you know – we were in a plane crash. Mm-hmm. Um, before my senior season at, at Michigan, going to the uh, Big Ten tournament. Yep. And that was right when we were starting it. We brought this microphone. We're about to – we didn't do, like, the whole – this the Zoom meeting or, like, uh, YouTube Live is what people do. Yeah, YouTube yeah. Live stuff. Um, we were just talking about making a podcast. And the plane crash happened. We're like, dude, now we really got to start this podcast. Like, <laughs> we're going to get viewers right away. You know what I mean? So yeah. – and then, you know, we got hot. We actually beat – your Boilermakers, who had the who had the number one seed. I, if you remember, Spike Albert was a fifth year. Caleb Swanigan was like the player of the year. Um, we beat them in overtime in the in the quarterfinal. We were an eight seed. They were a one seed, and we ended up winning the four. We played in our practice jerseys the first game. So like every time we won, we would record the night that night, and we would have guests on like the stars of the star of the star of the game and things of that nature. So. It was something we ran with, and we and we had a huge we, – we grew the following because the more you win, the more people are intrigued, you know. Yeah. So uh, it was a lot of fun to do, especially with him. As you could tell, he's, he's, he's a really good speaker. He's got a lot of knowledge, and he can have a conversation with anybody. So it was just something we kind of – we just kind of did and ran with. Um, and it's just funny, like, weird twist of fate. Like, we, like, dude, we got in this plane crash. Like, we got a story. Like, <laughs> let's break it. Let's, let's do it all. So – um it was just a lot of fun to do just kind of milk the whole situation i mean not not yeah. because it is like a, a very scary thing to get into oh no, no, no it's traumatizing for sure so like you thought your life flashed right in front of your eyes i'll never forget it i remember dj wilson if you know who that is mm-hmm. uh who's in the nba sitting right next to me he's like bro we're going through a field like he's from california so he's got like this mellow tone and everything he's like bro we're going through a phone right now i'm like what and then we go through like <laughs> We go through a barbed wire fence over a street and into a ditch. And the ditch saved us because, like, our, the pilots had no control. And, like, 50 yards ahead, there's a huge pond. Who knows what's going to happen there? Yeah. You know, luckily, the wheels ran right in the ditch. And all the next thing you hear is evacuate immediately, evacuate immediately. And you start smelling gas. You don't know if it's going to blow up or mm-hmm. what have you. And we just start running for our lives. So, yeah, it's. Takeoffs are still very, very traumatic for me. I'm just like, get up in the air, get up in the air, get up in the air. Like, so yeah, that's that's kind of story. Of the, I didn't mean to go on a tangent there, but that's oh, kind you're of good. Like, I mean, what was like that first plane ride that you guys had after that? What was that like? Yeah, so we were thinking about not going to the Big Ten tournament at all because we had a game the next day at like noon, yeah. mm-hmm. and so we're flying out of uh, Ann Arbor. And we have to go back because obviously, you know, we don't have a plane right now. So we're trying to figure out every possible possibility. Guys don't want to get on a plane. They're like, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I, I'd rather drive there. And it's nine hours. Like, hmm. it was there was a lot of we I remember we had a um, we had a team meeting, just the players kind of going back and forth about it. And we finally obviously came to a decision to fly out. So we flew out the day of the game on the Pistons plane um, at like 7 a.m. We're like stuck in traffic in D.C. trying to get to a 12 p.m. tip with our practice jerseys because our our uh, our jerseys were buried underneath the plane. So they couldn't get them out because everything was under investigation. Don't move a thing. Um, we're like, dude, let's just ride with these. Pra-. Like we were we were uh, a maze top with blue shorts. So it was mismatch. It was old school, man. It was, but fortunately we got we got our jerseys back and stuff like that but yeah it was traumatic man it was definitely there was some people who did not want to get on that plane again that's for sure true i don't i don't blame yeah no i was right there i'm like dude whatever i'm there let's drive like i'll drive my car i don't care just pay for my gas like let's just go you know Mm -hmm. so but uh no we got back on the plane and you know we ended up actually winning it so pretty cool and like you mentioned you 
you beat my Boilermakers. I mean, I think that was either two years in a row or two out of three years. You guys were the you guys won the eight nine game and beat the number one seed. In yeah, the- good memory. Yeah, we beat Indiana and uh, Cam Chapman hits a corner three at the buzzer. Just actually, we needed that win to get in the NCAA term. We, we ended up getting in the playing game uh, as an eleven seed. That was my junior season. But yeah, we we uh, for some whatever reason we were eight or nine and we could take down the one seed. We couldn't beat them at all in the beginning or during the season. But yeah, that's right. I, that was that's a good memory. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I kind of wanted to get back, um, obviously talking about your dad. Uh, yeah. How how has how has he inspired you to do all these different things that you've done in throughout your life? Yeah, he's just been my number one fan. He's always supported me. Always been my biggest supporter, but my biggest critic. Um, you know, he's he's helped pave a. You know, I was fortunate enough to to have him as a father. I know he's very controversial with a lot of people. Um, which is understandable is controversial with me as well. Like I understand it. So, uh, but he's, you know, he's, he's, he's a dad that who has always been there for me through it all. Like it's never been about him. It's always been about his family. Um, he, you know, he might talk your ear off and, and, and say some things, but uh, you know, he's, he's always, he's always helped me out. And I obviously wouldn't be where I'm at without his support and love and, and friendship. So, um, we're, we're very close and, you know, we, we have our, our disagreements as probably any father son does, um, some louder and boisterous than others probably, but, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a really good relationship. Now, when you were playing, did he like call you and like tell you everything you did wrong? Was he like one of those? No, sometimes he would just do it on the broadcast. Like <laughs> he would just call me out for whatever I did wrong on that broadcast. Like I remember I was playing at Ohio state kid named Josh Perkins at Gonzaga. I was like my first bit, like I was a walk-on, right? So mm-hmm. I got to Ohio State and I got to play. And I remember checking that game. It was our first big game of the season. And I was a cone out there on Josh Perkins. Like he lit me up for three straight threes. And my dad's doing the game. And he is just ripping me apart. <laughs> it, like barbecue chicken, like. Everything you could think of, he was saying because I couldn't guard that guy, and that dude was licking his chops every time he saw me guarding him. Mm-hmm. And he was in like step back threes, like this. It, it was wild, but no, he. But that, like, that's the thing. He he gets a bad rep for saying, you know, what he what what he sees out there, and, and usually, and like it's hard for me to say, but usually he's right. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that. So, you know, it, it's not biased at all. Like. He, he'll call you out, even if it's your own son, as he should. Like, that's what the coaches are going to do regardless when they see the film the next day. So, um, he, he definitely tells me he, – he definitely told me what I would do right and what I would do wrong. But it was always – you know, you can't take that stuff personally or you couldn't – you know, it's tough to play at that level if you take it personally. Yeah, I personally like when Purdue plays on ESPN because more times than not, he's going to be on the call and – I don't he know. might be only a handful of people sometimes. I, I don't know how he is with – it's like a it's like a, a love-hate relationship with every team, honestly. More hate uh, than love, but – I think I think if your team's just trash and he's saying they're trash, then you're not going to like him. But, like, he's always had, like, respect for Purdue, I feel like. Yeah, no, he loves Matt Painter. No, mm-hmm. he loves that culture. Um, and it's, it's hard not to, yeah. you know, like – with what they've done there at Purdue, it, it's really, really hard not to. Um, and Coach Painter, you know, in the beginning, he was, he was on, he was on the hot seat for a while there too, like Beeline. And now it's, you know, now he's running away with it, and he's just get got the right guys in, right staff, and et cetera, and just kind of, you know, they built him a a a, a powerhouse in this lot of sense. So, um, yeah, no, he he was he was always really high on Purdue. Mm-hmm. I mean. This upcoming year, it's going to be Purdue and Michigan for that Big Ten title, in my opinion. I think so. I mean, I think Ohio State could get in there, too. But those are the main three teams. Main three teams. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll definitely be. I think Purdue's going to – I think you're right. I think Purdue's going to be really good. I think Michigan State – I don't know how Michigan State will be. Yeah, who else would be any good? I mean, Illinois losing Iowa. Illinois losing – I mean, they bring Kofi Cochran back. And I I like their uh, point guard, Curbelo. Mm. a lot uh yeah a lot, it's a lot of people are high on maryland which i don't fully get but 
Well, they thought Wiggins was going to come back for yeah, sure. Um, they've thought, and Morcel was a toss up too. Obviously, you know, he's defensive player of the year. So not bringing him back kind of hurts, but yeah, you can never count them out because they just always have so much talent regardless. So. Mm, yeah. I mean, there are a few dark horses. Like I think Michigan state always has the ability to be a top 10 team in the country. And then you don't know what the hell is going to go on at IU, in my opinion. No. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. IU could very well be up there too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope they are just to make it more fun. Like, you know, when IU and Purdue are good, like it's a lot more fun. I'm sure like as a fan, like, you know, I went to Michigan and, and football is obviously huge. Right. Mm-hmm. But like it was, you know, it was a huge difference between Ohio state, like Michigan hasn't beaten them. And I don't even know how many years. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you, you always want the rivalry to be come down to the wire in some sense. At least I do. I know you might think differently. You probably love this. <laughs> what is it over like a thousand days or something like that? Or it was actually days. like a week or two ago. It was 2000 days. 2000. Yeah. So there you go. So you might, you might be enjoying it more than like a typical <laughs> outsider. That's so I, I don't blame you there. I don't blame you whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I respect IU, but it is nice. But I don't think the entire time I've been a Purdue fan, which was like the Etuan, Robbie, Jawan days, um, the days when I started really following them, I don't remember any like IU and Purdue, both top 10 teams in the country and playing each other. No, I don't know if they really have been, honestly. I think it's been swings where like we were good and then we stuck and then they they get good and then it's just – Cody Zeller and Oladipo were there, how was Purdue? Uh, Purdue, I don't know if it ran good then. No, that was the year after – the year after Hummel left, we went, like, 15 and 17. Yeah. We got, like, back-to-back years. That's when they got good, and then we kind of – Ronnie Johnson, Ronnie Johnson, and guys like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. So, we had some struggles there, but – Yeah. I mean, it, it would be nice to – I mean, it's always going to be a big game, like like Michigan. Yeah, no. I, I, State, yeah. But, Hundred percent, hundred percent. I like my favorite two arenas. Like in terms of atmospheres, as any, and I'm, I'm it might be biased. I'm from the state, as Indiana and Purdue. Like the Purdue was like that's my favorite game of all time. We beat we beat Purdue on a tip in from Kata Bates D out. Sorry, bring, <laughs> sorry, bring up the times that I hey, listen. Purdue had their fair share of wins against me, but not this time. And I still tell. Dakota Mathias, Ryan Klein, PJ Thompson about it all the time. And they, they, we took away a big 10 title from them and they took, you know, unfortunately we both finished like tied for second or something like that because Michigan state decided to go 16 and two and have the best record ever that ever happened in the big 10, but that's not here nor there still hurts, but. Yeah. That was your senior year, right? Yeah. We lost to Penn state twice. We got, we got like Tony Carr drafted Tony Carr, Gave us 30. I, I was a, another time I was an absolute cone out there for sure. <laughs> yeah, hey, shout out to the Makota, PJ, and, and Klein, though. They've all been on the podcast. Have they? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love those guys. One of my next questions would be like, I mean, it may be the answer is simply Hall and Mackey Arena, but what are the, what are some of the toughest places to play for you? When you so were- the, fir- the first place, and again, I, I didn't play. My freshman year, but the the best atmosphere I ever saw was Iowa State. Like it was, it was they had like George, they had George Niang, um, DeAndre Kane, Melvin Ejum. They they went to like the Sweet Sixteen, I think that year. Um, that was like as an out, like that's a dark horse. Mm-hmm. That was one of the that that rival that was up there with. And but maybe I was just a freshman, just you know, wide eyed. It was my first game on the road and stuff like that. But that that felt like up there with Purdue and IU for sure. Um, Duke was obviously Duke. It was crazy as well. But I'll rival anything with Purdue and IU, with, especially with the recent success of Purdue. Because if you win, like, places are going to go nuts, you know, and places are going to be what they should be. So uh, Michigan State was always really good playing against, obviously, against when we played them at um, when I was at Michigan. Just that b- lower bowl with the fans, I think that's really cool to see, you know, I always liked student sections kind of like right on top of you. And that's what they have. Um, there's some historic gyms though, man. Like Purdue was real or not Purdue. Uh, Minnesota was really cool. Mm-hmm. There's the elevated uh, um, floor and things of that nature. But yeah, there's some really good arenas for sure. 
But I don't, I don't know if anything tops Purdue and IU, but, again, I could be a little biased. Yeah, I mean, a lot of Purdue fans don't want to – don't want to admit, but I think Assembly Hall is really cool. And then oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they feel like right on top of you. It goes straight yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't go out. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, it's cool. especially when it gets rocky. I mean, they, you know, they don't, they haven't, you know, they got to put, they got to put more people in the seats. <laughs> like <laughs> they got to win. You yeah. know, they win, they'll come, as as they say. So mm. for sure. And then Mackie, like when I'm in there, my ears start to ring. Like no, they, it's, it's loud. Yeah, I couldn't hear myself on that court. Yeah. All the sounds just keep bouncing on. Yeah, yeah, keep reverberating off the dang floor. Yeah, it's nuts. It's it's nuts in there, for sure. Um, so I know we kind of got off on a little tangent there. but Yeah. Um, growing up, did you feel any pressure just knowing that, like, especially growing up in Indiana, people know who your dad is. And did you feel pressure to play basketball or, or do certain things? No, I kind of loved it. I, I don't think he pressured me at all. He actually, he was, he, he was upset that I quit baseball, to be honest, because baseball was my best, my best sport. But I just, I just, I got boring for me, honestly, after my freshman year of high school and it overlapped with uh, AAU. Um, he never really pressured me. Now, he was my coach in AAU, and it wasn't a typical, like, coach-player relationship where, you know, he's saying some things I definitely can't say on this podcast to me, but um, – <laughs> No, it, it, it like, but it prepared, honestly, it prepared me for college. It prepared me for, a, for after college and, you know, in my job and my profession now. So uh, just having that relationship, you know, there was definitely button heads where I would walk home sometime from like Zionsville high school. And it was like a three mile drive. Like I'm not getting the car with you <laughs> after that. Like that definitely happened, but now looking back, you can laugh on it, obviously, but um, no, he helped prepare me and, and, did everything right for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you have any good stories like, like walking home from Zionsville? Well, other than that, obviously. I mean, like it would just, you, I was like probably really sensitive at the time too. Like I'm still trying to figure myself out. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just remember waterworks. My mom would always take my side for sure. Um, <laughs> so bless her heart. Um, but that, that was, that was mainly it. I remember like sometimes I would try to coach in AAU while, in a timeout and he would just tell me you shut just shut the hell up like I was trying to draw up a play to like yo we only need a two really I remember this it was an AAU tournament in Florida and we only need a two-pointer to tie this up and go into overtime we're trying to go for like my dad and everyone else try to go for the win I'm like no we just need a two everyone and my dad says shut the hell up everyone else told me shut the hell up like and luckily enough Mark Donnell who's my teammate in Michigan Bucket at three, and I, you know, I shut the hell up. So <laughs> that's, a, that's that's one story that obviously comes to mind. Mm-hmm. He still brings up, you know, because he thinks he's right all the time, but that's not here nor there. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Zionsville. I'm originally from Noblesville. Yeah, Big Mill. So shout out to him for helping us set this up. Yeah, man, sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, what was it like to grow up in that? Indiana high school basketball culture and, and play in it. Cause I don't think if you're not from Indiana, I don't think you really realize it. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, to- that's a, a topic that I would have with a lot of uh, players that I, I coach now and former teammates um, who grew up on the East coast and went to prep school, but like there was nothing better than Indiana basketball, in my opinion, just, you know, the first off my, our sectional, was ridiculous with my my junior and senior year um you know junior year gary harris and zach Irvin and rainy freaking gregory like (laughs) who's on the cowboys it could have definitely played division one basketball and then you got two mr then you got two mr basketballs back-to-back years um so that was one team and then obviously carmel who their best player was a division three little point guard and ben gardner who was a stud Mm -hmm. and they ended up winning that sectional back-to-back years. And then you had North Central with Ronnie Johnson and um, Ingram, I forget his first name, who went to Iowa. Patrick. Like, whoever was getting out of that sectional at that time, I don't know. I'm a little older than you. I don't know if it was the same section. Was it the same sectional when you were in high school? I, it, I, I know it changed. I, I know it changed. Because I, I remember going to watch, because Ronnie was committed to Purdue, so I went to watch him against Gary Harris, Gary Senior. Yeah. yeah. So I was. That might, been, that might have been the best high school game I've ever witnessed. That I like. It's very blurry because I was in 
sixth grade, I think. Yeah, you were young, sure. Yeah, sixth grade. So it was blurry, but I just remember it was absolutely insane. No, it was just, so it's funny. Like they were the first game on that Tuesday, mm-hmm. and everyone else played Wednesday, but like all the teams went. Like who were in that section were like, whoever wins this game is probably going to win state because they just had too many studs out there. Um, I just remember being at, like, you know, you're thinking you're going to win the dang tournament. Like, that's the confidence I had. Like, I don't care who they have. I like, that's what that, but like, you just became a fan. You're like, mm-hmm. you know, we got, we may not have any damn chance against these teams because this is just another level of basketball right here. Mm-hmm. Um, but they ended up losing the, to Carmel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Carmel team was, you know, one of my, one of my really good friends, Michael Volovic, um, was a stud on that team. And obviously Ben Gardner, Sam Kirch, who was like a frat star at Indiana, who just was one of the best shooters I've ever seen. Like they just had, they just knew how to play together. And of course they, they beat us. So we beat Fishers, um, with Jalen Brown. I don't know if you remember Jalen Brown, but Jalen Brown used to dunk on, probably, yeah, he's a little, a little older. Um, kid went to Evansville, but. So Zion was Zionsville's first sectional win in the history of 4A. And that was like one of two times I've ever had tears of happiness in my life. Just one sectional win. Like this is the quarterfinals of sectionals. And like that's how much it meant to like me and like Zionsville and like, you know, whatever. And then we lose to Carmel the next day and they end up winning state. And my senior year, we lose to Carmel in the first round because we obviously drew Carmel and they were, you know, I think they still win championships, aren't they? They just won it last year. I think they did. Yeah, because we have a kid that's coming to to Purdue that played at Carmel, Brian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Late commit. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, what what were some of your favorite battles? Like, I mean, games maybe in particular, aside from obviously that win. Um, right. Sectionals. Oh, that's a great question. And, you know, you know how, like, I, I love first those, those that section was at no, obviously Noblesville, that one, like Noblesville's gym's awesome. In my opinion, um, Carmel, they got the bowl HSC, like HSC was probably my favorite just because like they had the most notable guys. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, you know, stacked you where you're supposed to belong, you know, just kind of see where you measure against the best team that they were considered. Um, you know, those the, like those kind of games like Carmel, obviously, because of the representation, like just because of their history um, and knowing some of those guys. But there wasn't really a bad there's like there wasn't really a bad place to play. And they would pack those gyms on every Friday night. And it was like it was the thing to do in, in those towns around there. So it was really cool. Now, Westfield become pretty good, too. They got a kid going to uh, Purdue as well. So like Westfield really wasn't as good back then but they've obviously they've grown that that community has grown they, they're getting oh. good like, yeah football they're really good and are they well yeah i think they're kind of trying to take yeah. over from are they really fishers hsc and all of us yeah yeah i mean they they put a lot of money in those schools now and like those programs obviously having the pacers facility out there now and yeah or grand park and stuff so yeah it doesn't surprise me really Mm-hmm. The culture out there too, I think. Culture uh, out there too for uh, training camp. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to kind of get to your college career, obviously. Uh, yeah. Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, what stood out about Michigan, and um, why did you end up choosing them? And kind of talk about that recruiting process a little bit. Really, what well, I really wasn't getting recruited by anyone. Um, so I had a my teammate who since fourth grade, um, Mark Donnell. He was my. Um, he was on my AAU team. He had already, already committed to Michigan and they lost Michigan had all these walk-ons that they were losing. And my dad had a relationship with one of the assistant coaches. They were on staff together. Like, Hey, we think Andrew's good enough to be a preferred walk-on. So I just took a visit um, late April, like of my senior year. And I wanted to go right away. Um, I, I was flirting with possibly going to a prep school because I wasn't that I wasn't like, I didn't have a division one offer mm-hmm. um, and like schools it had a cup of coffee with a couple of schools. That's pretty much it. Um, so it was either there. I actually had a preferred walk on spot possibly at Purdue. Um, I, I took a visit there, um, but Michigan showed like the most interest where they were calling me. I like, this is a no brainer. Like if I, I want to see if I can stack up against the best um, and possibly try to play there. And it was a credit to, you know, my teammate, Mark Donnell, just so happened to 
be, be going there and my dad having a relationship with one of the assistant coaches. That's how kind of how I got there. I mean, yeah, I was looking at your like recruiting profile on like 247 or whatever. And it's, yeah. you had this bad 247, I'm sure. Oh, geez. I mean, they need to delete that. <laughs> um, I mean, it said that you had two preferred walk-on spots from Butler and Purdue, but I didn't know how accurate. No, so, I'm sorry. Butler was there too. I remember actually talking to Brad Stevens, texting Brad Stevens. Like my recruitment was nothing. Like it was, it was just like, Hey, you know, maybe they were just doing my dad a favor so they don't rip them and stuff like that. Like I, I knew all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that was in probably the back of my mind. So that was kind of me trying to prove people wrong, but no Butler was a, uh, another place for sure where you know, I applied there and everything got accepted and was really considering going there too, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, but talking about amazing gyms in Indiana, I think yeah. I like Butler more than Mackey. I know that's like a hot topic, but or a hot, hot take. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like it more. I'm, I'm, I'm based off the atmosphere and yeah. that's not, it's not even close. Yeah. In my yeah. opinion. The atmosphere, yeah, you got to take that out. But, like, the, the tradition, the history. Arena itself, I, just, I love Butler's. Yeah, that's fair. And, I, I like, every time you walk in there, you think of the movie Hoosiers and mm-hmm. all the history and tradition of that, the Hinkle Field House. That was actually – I played P.J. Thompson our first game. That was my first uh, varsity start. We, he was a freshman. It was his first, his first uh, high school game. And they beat. They actually beat us. Never mind. That was the only time PJ Thompson beat me. So let's let's change those. Let's go back to let's go back to Mackey and uh, Hinkle. But yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, you can't go wrong with either or for sure. Um, I mean, did you consider any going anywhere like a D two, D three, and AI? Like, what was your plan if if you didn't get a preferred walk on spot? For prep, probably prep school. Um, on the East Coast. I was talking to New Hampton for a little bit. Um, but I'm telling you, it was a very quick, painless pro- – I mean, I'm, it was it was painful because I was like, dang, I think I'm good enough to play. Like, why is nobody thinking that? And, you know, reality was I, I wasn't <laughs> um, at the time. So uh, – but Michigan, you know, they they, they literally at every, every one of our games, um, obviously watching their – their recruit that was coming in, Mark Donnell. So I just kind of got lucky and they saw enough of me where they thought I could be a, a good, like, you know, walk-on practice scout player and stuff like that. Um, and I know they've had walk-ons play in the past. So I was like, you know, maybe I could possibly um, do that at years to come down in uh, or like my sophomore and junior year, which I actually got to do. So that was, so I thought it was a good decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I personally love when when walk-ons end up growing so much and, and getting the opportunity, obviously, like Grady Eifert at Purdue. And yeah, Spike, legend. Spike, I think he got a, a scholarship, but that was his only one. But he kind yeah, of – Yeah, it was like between them and like Appalachian State. Because mm-hmm, he's, yeah. he, he's been on the podcast too, and that's what he said. But uh, Okay. He – I I think – I mean, his – A little a little offended that you had Spike before me, but that's all right. I'll give you the Purdue thing, but – he had his number in his bio. I've reached out to you on. <laughs> no, you should absolutely have Spike Albrick before me. Like, there's no. I've just, I'm just giving you grief. That's why I love that guy. <laughs> just, I, I had to say something about him. But I think his his path was kind of similar to you. Yeah, he, except he balled out at prep school, and it just it ended up being um, a scholarship at two schools. You're right. It was eerily similar he had a I I would never say this to him and I hope he never listens but he definitely had a better I've seen the stats he had a better high school career and his confidence was second to none and that's what made him uh, a special player at Michigan and obviously contributed into a Big Ten uh, championship in Purdue Um, but it was similar but I, I think his confidence is what what took him to another level and then you know he has a national championship game and he's riding on, he's riding in the sunset from there on out. I think he's still riding on the sunset from that game. <laughs> yeah. And he, I, I feel like anyone he sees on the street or whatever is going to bring that up. A hundred percent. No doubt. They, they might bring up the, the, the tweet to Kate Upton more than the actual game, mm-hmm. but they're going to bring something up in regards to, in regards to the national championship. I agree. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Next, when you when you get finally get to Michigan, 
obviously you came in with Zach Irvin, who we talked about a little bit ago, and Derek Walton. But what yeah. was it like to come in right away and be around the likes of Glenn Robinson the third, Stauskas, Lavert, Mitch McGarry? Like this? Like <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget, man. I was paired up with Karis Lavert, who I will say is the to this day, that's the hardest human being I've ever had a guard in my entire life. Like I think a lot of our players will say, like, who's the best one-on-one player? Karis LeVert, hands down. Mm. I was matched up with him as a scrawny little walk-on, six-foot, probably belonged in the in the frats over on campus. Like, and this dude, we're doing, like, this wall-up drill where he has to come across the lane, and I got to try to lay it up before mm. he comes. Like, it's like a wall-up drill. Like, he just shows his hands. Yeah. I didn't get – I didn't touch the backboard. I didn't touch the rim. I just touched all hand to the face. <laughs> Like five times, there's no exaggeration now. I can call my dad like, dad, this is, I need a division three, something. No disrespect to division three because I know they're really good, but like, I don't know if I can play here. Mm-hmm. And that was like my welcome to my welcome to college basketball at the, in the big 10. But no, I was eye open the entire time. Like you said it. I mean, we had five guys. Well, Glenn, Glenn got drafted. Mitch got drafted. Karis got drafted. Nick got drafted. Um, who am I missing? Duncan was at the next year. Derek's playing in the league. DJ Wilson, came, like, you know, so I was around a lot of – and they were just coming off the national championship too. And Spike Albrecht was like – I remember sliding in his DMs like, dude, like I envy you so much. Like I was the biggest fanboy before – like and I already committed to Michigan. I was still the biggest fanboy. And, and that – he thought I was weird from that. Like he got, I, I'll never forget. He Like when I got on campus, like – he was not trying to be my friend. He thought I was just a little fanboy that just so happened to be on the team. But we eventually, you know, we became really, really close. But mm-hmm. yeah, of course. I forgot about that DM. I wonder if I still have it. Go, my bad. Go ahead. <laughs> Good. Um, how do you think that, like, Coach Beeline was able to kind of corral those guys? I know you talked about kind of his practice style and how he went about things. How do you think he was able to, to get all those guys to buy in who, I mean, all of them are complete studs? Yeah, no, I think, well, if you look at it, none of those guys were highly recruited. Mm. Um, besides Stauskas and Mitch McGarry, um, Stauskas came on the – Stauskas came on the uh, – he was later on, um, and Mitch kind of was like a top – I think top five player in his class. Um, so, you know, I, I think that Beeline just – Beeline's had success. Like Trey Burke really helped pave the way. That fresh that freshman year, and then you bring these five guys who Glenn Robinson really wasn't heavily recruited. Um, I know the Purdue story a little bit, um, but you know it's. I think they all kind of had a chip on their shoulder, and they had incredible work ethics, and it meshed well with Coach Beeline's philosophy and his and his two guard offense that just kind of clicked. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it it just it's just crazy to think back. Like I was this, I was a fanboy. Like I would, they, they, I was like the guy on the end of the bench, like who, who, the guy like for like DePaul, you know the little the bench mob guy yeah. from DePaul with the Rex back. <laughs> I, I don't think I was like that crazy, but like I was in that ballpark where they made a video of me. That's still embarrassing. It is. They made like a four minute montage of it. I'm like, oh, this is not good. This is I, I didn't want. I, I wanted to play. I didn't want to be a cheerleader, but mm-hmm. I was just doing my role. So. I don't know. Fan bases like to rally around walk-ons sometimes, like Tommy Luce is a king of Mackey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy Luce is a stud. Yeah, he was – but, like, that dude walked on that court with some swagger. Like, when he got in the game, he thought he was the best player in that arena. That, like, he definitely <laughs> did. Or at least, that, I don't know if that's exact, but that's how it felt from afar. And, yeah, I, the crowd should eat that stuff up. It's fun mm-hmm. to watch, and that's, that's, that's their time to shine for sure. And you're usually up a lot, so everyone's feeling good, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember one of the first games I ever covered at Purdue. We, we beat Iowa by, like, 30. And he came in and hit, like, two threes, I think. Two threes, yeah, yeah. I was going nuts. Yeah, probably mm-hmm. louder than the whole – the entire rest of the game or before the before that yeah. time even came, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what – I mean, so kind of going through your career arc, it's it's a really good story, like I've mentioned a few times here. But um, how do you think that you grew – especially at your time in Michigan. And then what was that moment like when you learned that you'd finally be, be put on scholarship? Yeah. Um, 
I think I just grew based off the guys I was around. I mean, I was around guys who, who, who lived and lived in the gym and took, took care of their stuff off the court with school and just discipline and things of that nature. So, you know, I, I think I just a product of my own environment where I was under an unbelievable staff at Michigan and where I knew like, if I ever wanted a chance, like the, what I was doing, preparing from high school to college, it needed to be ratcheted up 10 times because I'm not nearly um, working as hard as I possibly can to potentially play one day. Um, so that was a lot of credit to my, everyone in everyone at Michigan um, from our nutritionist to our strength coach, the players um, playing one-on-one against freaking Karis LeVert. Like, <laughs> you know, like that, you know, after that, like you might have a little confidence because you don't think anyone else is as good as him, which panned out to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, with the guys that I played at least in terms of playing one-on-one, but no, I think it was just being a product of my own environment and just kind of, you know, learning from them, um, is kind of how I, uh, I received a scholarship at the end of my, my, uh, career at Michigan, uh, and then received a scholarship from Holtman at Ohio state. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's what I want to touch on next, but, um, I mean, what, what all went into that decision to transfer and, and why'd you end up picking Ohio State? Yeah, so um, Coach Beeline, my senior season, told me that I, I was so I was trying to redshirt my sophomore season. That ended up I burned because uh, some players got hurt, and I started playing minute backup minutes. And the junior season, the same thing. So like that was the goal to always play at Michigan. I love Michigan, and that was like, and if I could burn, I burned my redshirt late in the season, like after. After January, we already played half our schedule, and I didn't care. Like, I'll, my goal was to play at Michigan, mm-hmm. and I helped obviously help contribute winning. Um, and then my senior season, I tried to redshirt again, and fortunately enough, I got to redshirt the entire season. And um, you know, I think Coach just offered me offered me a scholarship in a very um, unprecedented way that you know still gives me nightmares to this day. Um, but I was fortunate enough for that. And I made a eight minute video managers. I give, first of all, the hardest working people in all of basketball, you probably may have heard that before, Mm -hmm. but they made eight minute video practice video and some game clips. Um, and I sent it to every coach in the country and I had this like lengthy text saying like what I can bring. And coach Holman was, you know, flirting with the idea at Butler um and then they ended up taking Aaron Thompson who you know I I would take him too like over a guy who hasn't had any experience he's like a four-star who just decommitted from Pittsburgh Mm uh I had one year he had four years he's actually he's actually had a really good career um so it was the right choice um and then he ended up going to Ohio State later on in that summer and they were just kind of looking for players and so I was at a school called Quinnipiac for five weeks um and i ended up being uh where i got a waiver pass through to go to ohio state i call coach beeline i call like make sure like are you all right with this because you know like the dude put me on scholarship and treated me right for four years and i was a walk like he treated the walk-ons right so i like wanted uh, out of respect i wanted to call him he's like i don't care you shouldn't even be asking me this like a hundred percent yes like you're gonna play i'm like all right I'll, I'll see your ass in, in December when, when, when I'll, and I'll remember what you're saying here. <laughs> um, and so obviously I ended up on a scholarship at Ohio state. Um, I give credit, like, you know, coach Holman's coming in there, like, and the Ohio state, you know, it's a big fan base mm-hmm. and like, you're taking this dude like from Michigan and put him on a full ride. Like whose side are you on here? Um, uh, fortunately it paid dividends. Mm-hmm. Um, for both of us where we had a really successful year um, and beat Michigan once, but they had the last lap and it still bothers me to this day. And I love those guys, but like, you obviously, you know, mm-hmm. you want to be, you want to go yeah. at being smarter than them. Like the day we lost to Gonzaga, Jordan Poole hits the game, game winner against Houston. That's shown everywhere. And I'm in Boise, like this could be a dark few weeks for me. <laughs> They keep advancing at the third of it. But yeah, that's kind of, sorry, I didn't mean to go off a little tangent there, but that's kind of, that's kind of how I 
ended up at Ohio State. Just Coach Holman watched his video twice. He told me, no, regardless if he did or not, I mean, it's eight clip, it's eight minutes of practice clips. Like, mm-hmm. how much can you get out of it? But no, it ended up, I, I, you know, he ended up trusting me um, to come in there and play significant minutes, and it, and it panned out well for um, myself and him. If, if, I think he'd say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And another question that one of my friends sent me, shout out to Bryce Randolph. He actually sent me this one. I mean, what was it like to, to transfer to, I mean. Oh, my gosh. In the same conference, and then it's Ohio State on top of that. Yeah, I didn't know it was a rivalry until then. That's what I tell people. Wait, like, like when people say you you transfer from Michigan like to Ohio State, I'm like, I didn't know that was a rivalry. Like, just kind of, you know, just kind of give it back at them and stuff like that. Of course, I know it's a rivalry, um, but no, it was it was brutal. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like everyone at Michigan who I was in my corner, like grew relations with, they all they're like dude you got to do this like you love basketball like you get a chance to play in the midwest and one of the best conferences in the country like you should take this opportunity um but the fans that's what makes fans great like they're passionate about their teams and i'll ne- this is the only time i'll ever de- I'll, I'll ever um describe put myself in the same sentence as lebron james but do you remember when lebron went back from miami to cleveland mm-hmm. and it was just vicious that's how it felt when I went back from Columbus to Michigan. And I could not have been worse that game. That was for like a Big Ten champion, like missing layups. Like, oh, it was brutal. It was brutal. And they gave – every time I touched the basketball, the whole crowd, like the entire time I touched the basketball. My girlfriend's in the stands and, like, she probably <laughs> wants to hide her face, like, her family's in the stand, like they don't they don't know me, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, my family, it was, <laughs> but it was a game you definitely don't forget for sure. And and I love that they, you know, mm-hmm. I love fan bases, and, and that's what makes sports so special is the fan bases. Um, but they let me have it for sure. I was gonna, <laughs> yeah, oh I was gonna God. ask how much they, especially on social media. I'm sure that was bad because like when oh, no Joe, like when no Joe Eastern and Matt Harms transferred. Yo, it was bad. Brutal. I was going to go to Michigan, and that was – there's Brutal. some things on there that I was uncomfortable with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They it, they have free range to say whatever they want. Um, but, like, you got you also got to have tough skin. Like, yeah. dude, who, who cares what Joe Smith – like, who cares what they say? Like, you're doing what's best for you, um, and this is just a, a passionate fan base that – like you, you can go down a bad a rabbit hole with seeing bad stuff about anybody, um, but you know that, that yeah, I'm sure definitely Matt. I know Matt Harms got it bad. I, I probably guess I imagine No Gel just got it as just as bad, especially going to Michigan. I think he got it worse. But yeah, I mean, I wanted to go back to Ohio State for a second. I know we're sure. we kind of went over time, but um, well, yeah. How much does it mean to you to to get that expanded role like you talked about at Ohio State and finally get a chance to contribute solid minutes? Yeah, that's all I wanted in college, um, to play as significant minutes, to impact winning, to play down the stretch, to dribble out the clock in a big game, like in, in like a close game too. It's not a blowout. Me and Tommy Luce just dribbling out the clock with well, up 30. Like, no, I wanted to be in the thick of things playing, making plays down the stretch to help um, win, win important games. Now, my role is to get Kata Bates, Diab, and Jay Sean Tate the ball and get the heck out the way, but at least I was on the court. Um, so that was, that was everything I could ask for in that season. Like, coach didn't promise me anything. I came in with a, I came in with a chip on my shoulder and just experience of what I learned from guys from Michigan and just ran with it and just see how far I could go. Um, now, and it was just it, it was a incredible time for myself and you know being picked 10th or 11th in the season and finishing one game behind um in the big 10 standings for uh, a championship was was honestly anything you could ever ask for and in impacting winning an NCAA tournament game like you know that's that that was really the dream um or to be Spike Albrecht in the national championship but you know one or the other like I was I was cool with either or um, but yeah, that, that season was definitely memorable and, 
it was well worth it. It was well worth the wait. Um, Cause I was only playing like, I was only getting Derek, Derek wall in a breather when he go like this at Michigan. So like, you know, you get no feel out there. You're out there for two minutes and then getting yanked right back. So um, yeah, that, that, that season definitely on those five seasons, it, it was well worth it for sure. And I got two last questions for you. The first one is, I mean, what, if there, if you had to pick like one or two moments from your college career that stand out as most memorable, memorable to you, what would they be? Um, the game game at Purdue, hundred percent. That was my favorite game. Of the, like, that was another time. Like tears of joy. Like, cause Purdue had the longest home win streak in the country, mm-hmm. and you guys were ranked third in the country and haven't lost yet. Um, and you guys were up like sixteen with fourteen minutes to go. Carson Edwards was you know, like signing a contract with the Boston Celtics at halftime, pretty much. Like, he was going crazy. Um, so that time, and then the impact I had, I, I, they're both at Ohio State just because, like, that was my goal to play basketball. Mm-hmm. And the, the second one was the game I had against South Dakota State in the first round where I had, like, four steals, five points, and, you know, four assists, something like that, and playing 27 minutes and helped beat Mike Dom in the first round of the tournament. So – that, those were definitely probably the two that stick out the most in my eyes that come to mind. And then the last question, actually, when Spike was on the podcast, he told me that Mitch McGarry was probably the most talented guy he'd ever played with. So who do you, who's the best player that you played with at either Michigan State or Ohio State? Michigan, not Michigan State, please. You said Michigan State. Oh, shoot. I'm in Ohio. I say I meant Michigan or Ohio. I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay. I just got to make it clear. Um, man. I think, like, to this day, I always say, like, Mitch McGarry, like, just in terms of talent, 100%, like, that dude was a, a freight train, and nobody could stop, like, uber talented. Um, the guy who I've seen make, like, the game the easiest was by far and away Nick Stauskas. Um, my uh, my freshman year, his sophomore year, you know, he's Big Ten Player of the Year, first team All-American. You know, he's going against guys like Gary Harris and just cooking them. And Gary Harris was like a lottery pick that year too. Like the way he played averaging like 17 and four, like that was the easiest I seen someone make the game, you know, of any player I've seen on my team or outside of my team um, was that year. Now I was a fanboy, So like, maybe that's where I was still like all still starstruck, but like that always sticks to my mind. I'll always stick with um, Nick Stauskas just with how he played the game. Yeah. I mean, I'd have, I'd probably have to agree. He was, he was a stud, man. He was, he, he was, was something else. Like, yeah. That transition yeah. from his freshman to sophomore year too. Was oh, like a big jump. And then he just blew up. Just blew up. Awesome. Just blew up. Yeah. No, it was, it, it was really cool to see for mm-hmm. sure. Well, Hey man, I mean, I know we went over time, so I apologize for that, but. No, it's probably me. I apologize. I just no, got for talking, man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but thank you so much for coming on. I mean, I'd have to say this is one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. Um, I appreciate it. So I'm just – You say that to everyone, though? Hold on. you got to say uh-uh. that to me. Uh-uh. All right. All right. Mm-mm. I've only – I've said that a couple times, but yeah, – that Definitely – PJ Thompson was probably a really good interview. Yeah, he was good. Spike was – he probably had good stories. Spike had good stories. Fine, man. Paint was card? Oh, yeah. painter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Painter. painter. Good. I'm trying to think. Actually, the one that was one of my favorites that people don't really talk about was Tyrone Johnson. Really? Hilarious. Is he? Mm-hmm. Him and then Rafael Davis and Lou Jack both came on at the same time. That was oh, they were probably pretty funny. Yeah. You've had some great guests. Mm-hmm. Some really good guests. Why, why, hold yeah. on. Why am I the first guy that's not in Purdue? No, oh, like, okay. The last two I had on were Gavin Schilling and Nick Zeisloft, actually. Oh, Nick Zeisloft, yeah, I know Nick. How'd you get connected with him? Just DM him, yep. Oh, nice. They either get him through DM or I text Jake, <laughs> did, yeah. How did, did you know Jake had my number? It was a shot in the dark, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's funny. Yeah, he hit me up. I'm like, I think it was – he hit me up Thursday or Friday. Maybe Friday. You – because you hit me right with Friday? Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was in the Hampton. I I I was like, I'll I'll handle this on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, uh, like I said, I'm gonna let you go. Thank you so much for coming on, and and best of luck this season going forward. Appreciate that. Thank thanks for having me on. Yes, sir.